Hallelujah. So, um, as you know, the last couple of weeks or my last series, I, I, I loathe to say, I mean, I had to finish it because there was so much more I felt like we could always get into, but, but because perspective is such a critical thing, and I felt that that was a foundation that we had to lay um, so that we could start delving into this topic because, um, you know, so much to be said about perspective, but one of the grandest perspectives that I feel that we've got to have is the perspective of eternity. Most people, um, and 2 Corinthians 4 talks about this, most people just live for the temporary, the things that are seen. We're told that the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen or the invisible is eternal. And you see, because we're such uh, uh, tangible people, we live in this world, we typically just live for this world. We don't live with eternity in mind. And we heard it this morning. The kingdom, the kingdom, we live for kingdom. And, and you know, the kingdom is here. We can participate in the kingdom right now. Yeah. We're supposed to live in the kingdom. You listen, we've, we, we've, we've spoken about a kingdom philosophy of life. Uh, and, and there is a mindset. It plays this kingdom works on different rules and so on. Uh, but but this, when I say kingdom, because so many Christians, if they've come out of church, they see and they look up, oh, the kingdom is like, oh, it's out there one day when I die. In the meantime, I've just got to suffer through the world, you know, and I've got to have my boss and I've got to pay, I've got to work, I've got to have bills. And, and, and you know what? When we live life with that mindset, with that perspective, that's all we experience. We experience life no differently to the world. Now, this is a little bit of a bitter pill to swallow, but the truth is, if you are experiencing life the same way the world is, there's a problem. Let me just say it this way. I'm not saying that you won't go to heaven. I'm saying that you are living far, far, far beneath where you are designed to live. You are, we can either live as the proverbial chickens or the eagles. You are designed to, to, to participate in kingdom views and kingdom living and seeing things and, and, and all the benefits of the kingdom that are yours. But if you are living just with this temporal minimal mindset and you're not seeing a perspective of eternity, you're going to make decisions that way. That's how you spend your money. Let me get real practical. You'll spend your money because that's all you see. It's like, I'll spend my money for this, or I'll spend my money for that, or I'll invest all my money so that I can get my name on a block at the hospital. You know, I'm serious. It's just like, that's, whereas like, do, do you know that at the end of this world, when we step into the next world, whether you are, your life is shortened here, or we, we join Jesus in the clouds in a few months' time, or who knows when, I'm just throwing that out there, <laughs> not prophesying people, just saying, just saying, it's just like, it doesn't, when you go, we're going to see this is, this is just starters. But if we don't believe that, if we don't see life from an eternal perspective, then we make decisions based on this being it. And it's not. The only thing that we can take to heaven with us is people. You are, we are told, and I'm not going to, that's not my plan to teach that, but we are told that we can invest in people. We can invest, we can take people with us, and, and that's what we intend to do. Praise God. Amen. Enough of that. I'm just going just to lay that as a perspective because when we, the eternal is, is a paradigm that we have to understand because um, as I was laying in that foundation, um, you know, I, I spoke about one of the few subjects I don't like to talk about, um, and I rarely speak about 
the devil, is, but it is a necessary topic to talk about. So the, the, the way I've entitled this series, Mythbusters. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna talk we're gonna look at some some myths about the devil, right? And 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 so this is gonna take over a, a few weeks. So rest, um, rest easy, relax, and, and let me just reassure you, as I have sort of tenderly been warning you, <laughs> um, Lake Haven is the easiest church to join. It is the easiest church to leave, and it is the easiest church to come back to. Okay, seriously, you don't have to, you, if you don't feel that you want to connect, or if you get so mad at me that you want to storm out, that's okay. We, you don't have to be, you don't have to be mad if you don't think that Lake Haven is the place that God's put you. Right. That's okay. I, I, I get it, you know, and, and so you're going to hear some things that you don't ha- hear some, you don't, you, you may not have heard before, or maybe you, you've, you, you've, not, you, know, you may not have heard it from the churches that you've been in. I endeavor, however, as always, and challenge you, will you get your truth from the Word? And we'll talk a lot about that today. That's the, that's the topic. You know, Lake Haven, uh, Lake Haven is, we said this, is, is um, we exist that all, that all people everywhere, right, will experience God's unconditional love. Will experience, they will intimately know God and experience His unconditional love. We, we want people to have an intimate relationship with God, right, and experience His unconditional love. That is the first thing that we want you to know. And so we've said, this was one of the perspectives last week, was the goodness of God. Knowing that God is good, knowing that God is love. Uh, we want you to, to know that. And then, of course, you know that our, our banner back there, uh, which we have on the wall, says that the, the three, our mission statement, we reach people with the unconditional love, we establish people in Christ, that's our goal, and we connect people to His cause. And His cause is reaching the world with the gospel. Because do you know that everybody lives eternally? Everybody lives eternally. People don't think that. I mean, people, there's, uh, there's, uh, there's theologies even out there that, that teach, don't teach that. But the scripture does very clearly say that. Now, you, there's people that deny, oh, no, there is going to be no hell, and there is going to not do this, and, you know, in the lake of fire, you're just going to fizzle, and you're going to be gone, and, you know, there's all, there's, there's all these kinds of theologies that are out there that people will justify perspective, but Jesus didn't say that. There's things that we've got to determine. When you go into topics that are going to be like this, the decision that you've got to make ahead of time, say ahead of time is who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe, um, are you going to believe theology? Even, even as, as this, as, are you going to believe uh, a theology after what Jesus did through his death, burial, and resurrection? Are you going to believe what he accomplished after his uh, death, burial, and re- resurrection? Or are you going to determine to only see it from before his resurrection? There, there has been a change in covenants. And, and, and so as we go, there, but you're going to have to choose. Because I can tell you, a lot of theologies that I was exposed to, and, and um, you know, I got to experience when I was in the army and I was, I was deployed in a, in, a, 
in a, in a combat zone in northern Namibia back in the day, and I was a medic, some of you know that, and, and so I, was, I, I had a, a radical experience in, in my Christian walk. I was a born-again believer, and thank God for that, for what I experienced, and, and you know, it, it made a, a huge impact on my life. I had a really positive experience because I started to get to learn right there about faith righteousness and some of the things that have become so real in my life and, and, and all of these things, but it was there. I, I was challenged in a lot of areas. Uh, I was challenged about things about theologies I was like I'd never heard before you know one day I remember thinking somebody came to me and they said did you know that a Christian can have a devil and I was like what and you know when you're younger in the faith and you've never heard these you're like you you tend to believe everything that you get told I was like oh, that really I remember honestly thinking really you oh absolutely they can have a devil and I was like, how will you know? And then, you know what? That little, that little seed then suddenly grew. And it, 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 you're like, well, if, some, if a Christian can have a devil, how do you get one? <laughs> no, do, you, do you do something? Do you pick one up? Do you, uh, you know, do you walk into the wrong place? Do you do, you know? And so it creates an entire theology. But you see, I want you to know that what I hadn't been told and wasn't being grounded before was where does it say that? Where do we see that in Jesus' life? Where does Jesus teach that? And in the epistles, if you want to go through after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you want to go through from Acts all through to Revelation, where do we actually see that being taught or practiced? Where, oh yeah, these guys will get all born again and suddenly they get devils. <laughs> and suddenly it's like, uh... You see, so when you determine ahead of time, I am going to believe things and see things from a perspective of the Bible from the New Testament, your, uh, your theologies may be tested. Your traditions may be tested. Amen? Yes. So what are, you going to, what are you going to choose? Remember I said this last week, the truth that has the most potential to set you free has the most potential to offend you. Now, I didn't come up with that saying, but it's true. You, you have got the ability to be set free and experience great freedom, but it also has the potential to offend you. Especially because, like we said, we, we spoke about this last week and the end of that, but, uh, you know, uh, your ego, your mind, everything that you've, you've adapted, your mind will, cease to, will seek to protect everything that you have got your value placed in. If you know something, you will, set, you will protect that and hold on to that, even if it's creating pain in your life. You say, oh, no, Shannon, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't keep a, I wouldn't keep a belief that created pain in my life. Uh, chances are we all do. But Jesus' promise that says when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. It doesn't just say the truth will set you free. It's knowing the truth that will set you free. That's why God gives grace to the humble. That's what it means. In humility, you accept truth and you're willing to experience grace. It wasn't because God's holding it back and saying, show me some humility, then I can give you grace. No, grace is freely available, free for women. We access grace by faith. These things we have taught many, 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 many times. The only way, grace is free, but we access grace through faith. God saved us by grace through faith. And everything that we receive is by grace through faith. But you can't receive it if you think you know it. 
You can't receive it. You can only have faith for truth. You can't have faith because you just say it often enough. And I say that again. Because there was a lot of weird faith teachings, and this is not what I want to go into. You can, there was teachings out there that you can have a Rolex and a Ferrari and a, and a jet plane just because you can quote it and say it and confess it enough, then you can have it. No, you know. That's not, what you, that's not what it's saying. I'm not saying that you can have, you can have all of those things. But you don't, you, the process of faith isn't about confessing it until you can get in it. What is it they would say? Blab it and you can grab it. Or say it, name it and claim it. And all these things. You know, it's, it's, it's like there are principles of faith that involve speaking. But there has to be scriptural foundation for this. And we are called to be blessed. You understand? I'm not just, I'm just saying this. But you can only have faith for what God has given us. You've got to be able to have that humility that says, okay, God, what do you say? So if anything, this morning, I pray that you walk out with the attitude of, Lord, what do you say? When you get challenged in something that we raise, okay, Lord, what do you say? Will you do that? Will you go to Jesus? If something comes challenging, will you say, Lord, what do you say? No, 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 not about what your, te- your pastor told you. And I'm telling you, there's some good pastors that mean really well. I had some great pastors that meant really well. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Exactly. Okay. So we have to look at this, the, the power of, uh, of, of believing. Um, and, and, and really, this is, this is something that we've got to understand that uh, I think that can really help you. At least it really, really helped me. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, you know it well. It says, keep your hearts with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. So the issues of life, we've spoken about this many times, the boundaries of life in Proverbs 4, 23. So, so out of your heart, we've said that you, the beliefs in your heart establish a lot of things. Now, I wish I could lay a great foundation today, but I pray that you connected. This is, a found, this is one of those series that we're standing on a lot of pieces that we've done before, right? Your beliefs determine your life. I've said this many times in many, many, many different ways. What you currently believe, where, if you don't change what you believe, you're going to get more of what you're getting. Jesus said, clean this, clean the inside of the cup. In other words, change your way you believe. You're going to see things differently. You're going to make decisions differently when your beliefs change. Your beliefs are the ones that are limiting you or prospering you or keeping you in sickness or whatever the case is. Your beliefs are are the thing. And I know that sounds really harsh, but if you hope that you stick with me and stay with context with everything we've taught over so many years, okay? So... Um, but understand that, that, that these believe, everything flows. So, so this is the, the thing, though, that with the current theology, say you believe, like you believe in the doctrine of, of healing, right? We believe that God can heal. Most of us will say, oh, yeah, God can heal. Yeah. But when the question is that God will always heal, people are like, ah, oh, I'm not so sure about that. Because they will revert to their experience, right? And, and, and will say, well, so-and-so asked God and God didn't heal them. Because that's the, and, and I can deal with that subject at length. But I want you, I want you to see this. A conflicting belief um, is, is, you can believe that God heals, 
But, for example, you could have a conflicting belief in your heart that you're carrying in your heart that says, um, you, say, for example, you're carrying guilt about something in your life. Now, it's very easy to carry guilt. A lot of us do carry guilt. Now, guilt assumes the need for punishment. Guilt is, expects punishment for there to be equilibrium. If you're carrying guilt, you're sort of waiting for the hammer to fall because you believe in your heart if you're carrying guilt, let me say this, if you're carrying guilt, you assume that you have to pay for something. Otherwise, you wouldn't be carrying it. That's what makes the cross so powerful when we do communion, is that you can release any feelings of guilt because Jesus has made the way and he carried it for us. But just follow, follow me here in this example. If you are carrying guilt, guilt assumes the need for punishment and there's an, there's an expectation of punishment. So it is a conflicting belief to believe um, in the doctrine of healing and be carrying guilt. They are going to work against one another. Because anytime you think, well, I got sick. And you think or you believe, if your belief system says, well, God is using this sickness to teach me something. Or maybe God is getting me back for that thing. Do you understand now? Watch what's happening. You're having a conflicting belief. So you, so with our current theologies in most churches, you will say, you know, um, well, here I have this faith, um, and, and I've got, I'm, I've got, I've, and I'm not getting healed. So guess what I must do? I must have more faith, and then you will get healed. How many of you have heard? Just have more faith, right? So you think, well, I've just got to pick up my socks and have more faith. But that's actually not what has to happen. You actually have to remove the conflicting belief. It's, it's, it's a contrary, it's as long as you have a conflicting belief, it, it's an exercise in futility to try and say, have more faith. That's kind of like saying, um, do you believe the sun is going to shine tomorrow, rise tomorrow? Well, I mean, I'm not not shine because maybe it could be cloudy, right? But I'm just saying, you know the sun's going to come up tomorrow and you could say, yeah, yeah, I believe that. So I say, okay, now I want you to really believe the sun's going to come up tomorrow. What? You either believe something or you don't. That's why Jesus said you can have faith the size of a mustard seed. It doesn't matter. It's not talking about the quantity of faith. You either believe something you don't. So what you actually have to be aware of is what are the conflicting beliefs that are I'm carrying in my heart? Because I have contrary beliefs that are working against my belief. In fact, these scriptures talk about this. Um, let's go to Matthew chapter 21 and verse 21. Jesus answered them saying, And truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt you will not only do what has been done to this fig tree, but if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. So you will see here, it says that if you, um, is truly you'll say, if you have faith and do not doubt, that phrase, if you do not doubt. Now, we, the, the, some commentaries um, put, put this really cool. And there's, there's other scriptures as well. We can see it in Mark chapter 9, 23, um, where Jesus says to him, all things are possible for the one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. Yes. 
So there you see with the father, he said, he's, he, you see, he believed, but he says, I have an, un I have an unbelief with me. We see it in uh, Mark 11, 22, the famous piece of, I mean, no, I'm not going to even make that joke, sorry. Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. You see, you see the presence of faith and doubt in these three scriptures. And the concept that, that should, it's not saying that these are, these, these are two separate uh, tracks, if you will. You can have a contrary belief is a pulling you in the wrong direction. A doubt is a contrary belief pulling you in the other direction. It's canceling your faith because you have a contrary belief. So the easy thing to do for your faith to function without hindrance is to remove the contrary belief. Amen. And if I said that, how many of you want to remove the contrary beliefs in your heart? Everybody would probably say, hey, yeah, I want that, I want that. Until they little pet traditions. Until they things that I've been teaching for years. See, I've even written a book about that. God forbid if you've written a book about that or preached about that, us preachers are the worst. Because we, I, my pride is hooked up to what I've said before. My ego is connected. Right? So if we, are, if we put our egos on the line, if we take self, this is what Jesus was talking about, laying down your life, laying down yourself, taking up your cross. All of those things are being the willingness to surrender your opinion. Your humility is about being willing to surrender your opinion so that you think God's, God's desire is for you to enjoy these things that he's given you, not to keep them from you. These are big things that can help you. I promise you, just ask the dog. So, so doubt may be a disbelief in a biblical truth uh, is, is not a disbelief in a biblical truth as much as it is the end result of believing something that or an unbiblical principle. So if you believe that God is a punisher because you've not heard the gospel as we teach it, when you've been to communion as we teach it, when we speak extensively about the goodness of God and the love of God and the finished work of the cross, where Jesus has taken the punishment for our peace. But if you believe that God still punishes for your sin, you have a contrary belief to a New Testament truth. You will be experiencing condemnation, an expectation. Another word for that condemnation is an expectation of, of judgment. Okay, guys, does this make sense to you? Okay. Okay, so these things are important because um, if we're going to eliminate the beliefs, of, we've, got to, we, we've got to understand that when it comes to the topic of the devil, when we go and we look at his origins, we go and look at the scriptures about his origins, when we see what his real place is, where he came from, how he operates today, things like this. As I said, you have got to be willing to let go of the beliefs so that you can step into freedom. My goal through this series is that you will never concern yourself with the devil again. I hear a lot of Christians that will blame the devil Oh, the devil made me do it. The devil did this. The devil did that. The de and, and listen, guys, he is an enemy. We are not unaware of his devices. This is what the series is about. 
we are making you aware of his devices. Okay. Okay, so consistent theology is absolutely essential for peace and victory. If you don't have a consistent theology, you're going to be up and down, tossed by the waves, to and fro. So we've got to determine consistent theology. And now, you know, um, you, know you, you hear me you say this often, but we're talking about a New Testament. There is a separation of, of, of understanding the old covenant from the new. We have to pass every belief through, we've said it so many times, the names of God. Okay? You have to, everything that you've adopted, you've got to pass through. Because God is not unchanging. I've said this in the last series. He's unchanging. He's never changed. You've got to pass everything you believe through the names of God because those are an unchanging truth, right? In fact, if you say, <laughs> never mind, I'm going to go for a rabbit trail in a second here. <laughs> you know that taking the name, I can't help myself. Go ahead. Taking, <laughs> do you know that taking the name of the Lord in vain has got nothing to do with cursing? I'm not saying we should curse with the name of the Lord. But taking the name of the Lord in vain is to deny what his name means. When he says he is healer and you say, no, he's not. You've just taken his name in vain. You've said, God, I don't care what you say your name is. I don't believe you are. You've exalted your pride, your experience, your tradition and said, no, you're not the healer. I don't care what you say you are. My experience is, let me judge you, God, from my many years of experience. <laughs> That's not your name. That, that sounds kind of weird, right? I mean... But that's kind of what we do when we just, we think it's so humble. Oh, no, well, God doesn't always heal because he's going to teach you something. The only problem is I don't see Jesus doing that. Do you see Jesus anywhere teaching anybody with sickness? No. Anywhere. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. When Jesus says, hey, I'll tell you what, let me teach you something here. not consistent with his names it's not consistent with the life of Jesus the teaching of Jesus it's not consistent with listen to this the finished work of the cross there are certain things that even what Jesus said you have to take through the finished work of the cross what did Jesus accomplish through his death his burial his resurrection his ascension all of those things he throw one out there I mean I know I haven't spoken much about the devil yet that's okay don't worry (laughs) Do you know that most people, because of uh, Dante's Inferno, you know Dante was born, they reckon, 12th, 12th century. Because of Dante's Inferno, he was a poet and he wrote uh, the Divine Comedy and some of those things, influenced a whole bunch of that Middle Age era p- poets and, and everything else like that. And he had that famous painting, Dante's Inferno. Do you know how Dante's Inferno has, has, has defined the idea of hell for people? The levels of hell and hell, you know, and the seven deadly sins. Have you heard about the seven deadly sins? Heard about them? You can't find them in the Bible. Myth busted. (laughs) There's no such thing as seven deadly sins, except if you go and put the Bible aside and go and listen to Dante. That's good. Or whoever else. 
these many, many, many people. You see, in, in the, because there's such a concept of, uh, <laughs> thanks, Carl. Um, you know, there's such a concept. You know how you can recognize the devil. This is what most Christians believe, or most churches believe, or what most, most world believes. You know how you can tell the devil? You can always tell the devil because he'll be carrying one of these around with him. <laughs> then you know it's the devil. Right? See it in Halloween. Witches and devils and fork tail and, you know. And, of course, the concepts are that he's in charge of hell. He's the boss of hell. He's the lord of hell. You take all the Greek, uh, you know, Hades. The Greek god of, of death and hell, right? I mean, I mean, if you're watching, the kids are watching Percy Jackson, the new Percy Jackson that's been released. All of these things that have been influenced by Greek mythology. And we've, we've, these have seeped into our culture. They get taught in our high schools and low schools and, <laughs> and colleges and everything else. All of these, all of these, these ideas, these concepts that... Guess who's in charge? And oh, you know, one day when I get to hell, I'll be there with all my buddies. <laughs> you know, like it's, you know, we've got no concept because we've got these these ideas. That are, in fact, a lot of people even think that that Jesus, when he died, he went down and he fought the devil down there in hell. Now it gets quiet. <laughs> Except this is the truth. Do you know that the devil hasn't been to hell yet? Do you know that the devil doesn't live in hell? Right. Yet. Ooh. Now I'm going to have to go and do my homework. Now, yeah. Go ahead, ushers, lock the doors. Nowhere is it say that. Satan has been cast down to the earth. And so... <laughs> Oh, we're going to have fun with this series. I wonder how many people are you going to come back next week. Anyhow, it's, it's you know, these concepts that, that the devil is in hell and that he is Lord of hell is an absolute myth. He, hell was created for the devil and his angels. It says that in scriptures. And in, the, in the scripture, and that's where his end result is going to be. Hell or Hades right now is, is, the, is the waiting place of those who chose not to receive God and His goodness, walk in His way. The, you know, we can, we can, when we look at Abraham's bosom and you look at the, rich, the story of, of Lazarus and the, and the rich man, and you see that, that Lazarus was the man who sat at the rich man's gate, right? And then he went down to, after the rich man died, and he was in flaming torment, and Abraham was down there. This was pre the cross, remember? This was pre the cross. There's a lot to be said. That's why... This, you know, the King James language is used that he goes down to the bosom of Abram. Lazarus was a godly man. Even though he was poor, he was godly. And he was with, with those that are comforted in Abraham's bosom. And there, there's this great chasm, we are told, that separated Abraham and the good folks that had accepted God from the people that didn't. Right. There is so much that we can extract on that one. And I'm just giving a brief overview. Because, but, but just those concepts, there's no devil there. Abram was there. Abraham seemed to be more in charge than anything because that's who he was looking to. That's who the, man, the, the rich man looked to and said, Abraham, have mercy. Help me, help me come over there so I can just cool. I can just get a, you know, water on my tongue. And, 
Hell is a real place, people. But Satan isn't there yet. Not yet. So, um, as I said, we could pick out that whole passage of Scripture, and, and, and maybe we could just build on it a little bit here, but, but in that situation, in, in, that, in that place of, of Abraham's bosom, we see Jesus um, talking about that as well, it, is that, that he, t- he took captivity captive, that he did go down, that he had victory over sin, hell, death, and the grave. That's what Jesus had victory over. Jesus took our sin to the grave with him. He had victory over the sin of the world in the grave. He rose up with this, with the with the with the uh, the the blood that he's with, with his blood. Like he said to Mary, "Don't touch me yet. I've I've got to ascend to the heaven. I've got to ascend to to the throne of God, where to the, which is not the copy." And he was, and he put his um, blood on on the the mercy seat there. He once made forever redemption through his blood, but he had he had paid the price in hell. Listen, <laughs> anyhow. Guys, these concepts are real because when we realize that everybody who dies outside of Christ spends eternity separated from everything good, there is torment beyond we can possibly imagine. People that have had glimpses and whether they have or not, that's determined or not, but the Bible talks about their their suffering, their worm, their their bitterness that will not end. It will have no end. Man, that sounds like a place we wouldn't want our worst enemy to go to. But here, the, the rich, that rich man who was saying, when he couldn't even get a dip of water, he couldn't get his tongue, not, he wasn't even able to experience one little bit of water in that fiery hell that he was experiencing. He's, and, he couldn't, and Abraham couldn't even leave his, his, uh, that bit of suffering for him. And then he said, well, please, just, just, won't you send, won't you go and tell my brothers that they, so they can avoid this place? And you remember what Abraham said to him? He said, no, he says, it won't help. He says, they have the prophets. They can listen to the prophets. He said, but no, 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 they're not going to listen to him. He said, listen, if they don't listen to them, they won't listen. That's scary, guys, right? That's ominous because... We have an a awesome responsibility. But when Jesus goes down, and we believe that he took um, Abraham, we took the people from Abraham's bosom, all those that had died in Christ, um, and it even says that Jesus preached to those people. He went down and he ministered. He preached the gospel to them. They had an opportunity to believe on him because they hadn't even they hadn't believed on salvation yet. Therefore, the Bible says now that everybody now who we believe dies in Christ doesn't go down to Abraham's bosom. They go to be with the Lord. If you're absent from the body, you're present with the Lord. That's what Paul said. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I believe that. And the many people that we've watched transition over from the moment they step out of this eternity, you even see it when they're passing away. They already start seeing the Lord. They start seeing loved ones. They start seeing, experiencing that. It's like they don't even taste death. And that's exactly what Jesus said. Some of you will not even taste death. I believe that. I believe that you don't even experience, you can, you can just transition over and you become part of a crowd of witnesses it talks about in Hebrews. Yes, yes. 
Therefore, it says in chapter 12 of Hebrews, we are surrounded by so great a crowd of witnesses. Let us run our race with perseverance, right? Knowing that we've got a crowd cheering us on for this time. This time. Guys, we've got, a, we've got a little window of opportunity to make our lives count. Will you? Will you let your life count? Now, will you choose to see the eternal value of every human being? Because when you adopt a belief, if you just say, oh, well, you know what, I'm going to take a dirt nap, and then you're never going to, if that's what your belief system is, you're wrong. You are wrong. And so you've got to get your beliefs aligned, humbly aligned with what God says about that. So that you can understand what, what Jesus left us with is truly a great commission. His cause, we said, connecting people with his cause. This is his cause. God is not willing that any should perish, but that everyone should come to a knowledge of him. Everyone. And so that's what we're calling. That's what we're, we're connected with. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. There's, there's a lot more that I actually want to go into. But, but I, just, I think that understand these fundamentals that we're talking about today. Understand that if we're going to experience, um, experience the reality of any belief, any truth, the way that we're going to experience the fullness of that reality or that contradicting reality is by removing the thing that isn't true. So we're going to be dealing with a few things that aren't true. And these things are going to release you and give you freedom that, that have been holding you back. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. That's something that we can enjoy together. Amen. So um, like this, uh, I want to just read this. Um, Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind that says it in the King James, but, you know, of self-control. There is so much uh, I want you to, to release you from fear. There is nothing that I pray that in this series will do anything but release you from fear. We are not inducing fear. Fear, like I've said so many times, conditions behavior. Love changes hearts. We don't, we, don't, we don't drive people, and, and there's unfortunately a lot of ministries and churches and stuff like that that have said, if I can just make people afraid enough, that's going to force them to do stuff. That's not the goal. That's not the goal. Fear will make you condition your behavior. It will make, that's all it will do. It will change you on the outside. Love is what changes our hearts. I want to liberate you from fear. God, this, this scripture here, God gave, did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. There is nothing that you should be afraid of the devil. And so, again, as we, as we enjoy this series today, I mean, and, and in the next few weeks, know that that's a goal, to liberate you from fear, that you never again experience fear, that you truly know your rights and your place in the kingdom of God, because it's a good one. Amen. Let, let's, let's leave it that there for, for this week. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you're so good to us. And Lord, thank you that the knowledge of truth, the knowledge of your truth brings freedom.
And so, Lord, we determine right now to lay hold of that reality, to believe what you've said, to know that, to adopt that. Lord, we're willing to. And if you agree, I, I, I say these things out loud so that if you agree with them, you don't have to say it out loud, but if it's under your breath, just say the amen. But I choose, Lord, to let go of contradictory beliefs. I choose to accept the beliefs, the truths that you have given me, given us. And Father, I surrender and yield to the knowledge of your goodness, your love, I surrender to the knowledge of eternity. Lord Father, thank you that there is an eternity to enjoy with you that you've called us to. Father, I thank you that your spirit is going to be calling people in very specific ways throughout these next few weeks. You're gonna to be touching, you're going to be illuminating things you're going to be bringing freedom. You're going to be igniting passions. Father, we just allow you to do that in Jesus' name. Igniting passions. I just see futures opening up. I see people bouncing out of bed with a cause, a mission, a passion, a desire. Father, thank you that your love motivates us so strongly. Thank you, Lord, for setting us free. I just speak peace to every heart and mind. You are Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. You bring wholeness and completeness. Father, thank you that every lie that we have been told or taught by the father of all lies is destroyed in Jesus' name through the truth in your word. Amen and amen, amen, amen. You know, if you're watching this um, online or whether you're here, this is just a, a starting point so that we can, can really get into a few things this next few weeks. And, um, but if you haven't received Jesus, do that. All that you need to do is humbly just open your heart to the Lord Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you. If that's something that you, you need to do or you feel like you want to do, just text the word on your screen or come and see one of our prayer ministers here. Um, you know, as always, we want to help you on those next steps. But that's where it starts. Amen. You know, I've had, I want you to know that anything you say to one of our prayer ministers, if you're struggling with anything, is completely confidential. They don't tell me. They don't give me the inside scoop on what people pray about I don't want to know that's between and, and, and our prayer ministers are trained I'm telling you they know how to hear God they know how to minister the spirit of truth to you so I just I can't talk them up enough if you've not experienced our prayer ministers they, they're here before the service too by the way they hover around the front here you can come before a service you can come early lay hold of some of the truth that, uh, come, and, come and speak to them if you want to share with something or, or have them agree with you in prayer about something. 
And then remember Wednesday nights where uh, I just, you know, over, besides having youth for adults, of course, we have our overflow service. That is a really powerful service, guys. I just wanted to, it is a different kind of a service. It's not like this where you get a, a message, but we have, I do feel like we're going to start going through some of the foundations of what Jesus and how the Holy Spirit works in our life because I want to take it back to Scripture. We have to understand, again, what Jesus can. Jesus said, it's better that I go away because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit can't be with you. He literally said, it's better. And if we don't know how to lay hold of it, if we don't know how to, to appropriate the person and work of the Holy Spirit, you, you're going to live a sub-life to what you're called to. You're called to partner with the Holy Spirit in your life. And that's, I mean, that's what's going to make it, bring a full life. So come, come and enjoy that time with us. It's, we're, 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 it's always a little bit different. You know, sometimes we have music like Jen's doing right now. We have somebody here, but sometimes we just, we've been, you know, play music, for other music. And, but there is sharing. There's, we allow the gifts to flow. And there's going to be a little bit of, just a little bit of teaching on that topic. Amen. So that's what's going to be happening in overflow for the next few, for the next while. So, um, amen. I just wanted to feel, I felt like I needed to say that. Amen. T, is there anything else? Healing you? Anything else there, T? We're good. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Father, I just dedicate.